On this episode of the 132 Breeze podcast, we are moving on from the Badger football season as we talk about Badger basketball, other Badger sports around the campus. Also look at college football in its totality. What do we have for our top four in the playoffs? What else went down in college football? Also full run out Bears, Packers. We also have a great interview with Jacobs from the Bucks Leading Radio. Talk about all there is for the Bucks and the NBA. Great interview. All right, let's start the show. with another episode of the 132 Breeze podcast. As always, this is your co-host Marlo, joined by Casey. And Casey, winter is here. There has been snow on the ground, <laughs> and we have officially cursed our school. Yeah, I uh, was not expecting snow. was not, uh, say, the, the yard and house were not prepared for that. Uh, that was a, even though, it, to be fair, it was in the forecast. I ignored it. I said, come on, it's not really going to happen. And it did. Uh, and, and here we are. Uh, as you mentioned, we have cursed our beloved Badgers. Um, since we started the podcast, it's not been a, a great run for the Badgers outside of the cross-country team, I suppose, which we you know, mentioned a couple weeks ago. Um, although, to be fair, uh, it was looking that way for the basketball team when we started. Yeah. <laughs> True. True that. Uh, but yeah, you, you can make a, a direct timeline from when we started doing this, talking into the microphones, yeah. um, to the hype and expectations, to where we are today. And I would say where we are today is officially moving on. Yeah, I think uh, I can't. I, I've run all the scenarios. I've done all the things. I'd, it's just not going to happen this year for the <laughs> Badgers football team. Uh, I just, you know, still... Every morning I woke up on Saturday um, and still thought with everything that has happened up to that point that we could and almost even should win uh, the game against Penn State. I've convinced myself every week throughout the year um, of that, and I think I'm finally willing to give up on that. And You're it's, conceding. God, I, that said, I expect to win the next two games, but... <laughs> But obviously, uh, we can't do any, you know, back of the napkin if Northwestern loses this game or that game or what have you to get to where we thought we might be able to be, even in a uh, lesser expectations than a college football playoff. We can't get to the Big Ten championship game. I guess is what I'm getting at. Yep. And it's and it's over. I mean, now we're playing for bowl positioning, I guess, which is something, but it doesn't feel good. Yeah, it doesn't feel good at all. I'm left with the sinking feeling like you said bowl position. I'm just worried. I'm really my number one concern tonight. Don't lose the axe. Do yeah. not lose the axe. Um, yeah, and it's just really, I, I woke up thinking we had a chance. I thought, I still thought we had a chance. And watching the game, you know, that first run by, by Taylor with a touchdown. I mean, that mm-hmm. was it. The game started started with a flash and it would yep. fizzle. And yeah, well, it was, yeah, it started with a flash and. 
everything but one minute was a fizzle. I mean, really. Very true. Very, much, much better worded. Um, but yeah, it was just, uh, it was a slow, slow, slow sinking feeling of just it all going away. All, all, the whole season just kind of melting away. And I know we'd been working up to this point in it, but it's just, it felt like that was the stamp. That was the rubber stamp of approval right there. Yeah. And I think it was our last chance to get a signature win that we could look back and go, you know, yeah, we lost, you know, at Michigan. Yeah. We lost the BYU game, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and at Northwestern, we could say we're always snake bit there, what have you. Um, but we could look back and go, well, we won at Penn State. And that, you know, could turn the second half of the year around and create another narrative. Um, but now I think, what is our best win? If we Let's say we pretend we win out again. This is me still clinging to the yeah. fact, uh, some sort of optimism here is at Purdue will be our best win. And looking at where we came in uh, to this season, that's that's pretty disappointing. And I guess where we are. Uh, I still... I, uh, looking at this team, I just there's the talent is there, uh, you know, and we can talk a little bit more about the Penn State. I don't know how much we want to get into that because um, that's not going to be fun. But <laughs> no, but it's there, and it just doesn't seem to come through on on the field. Um, I know there's issues that we've talked about probably ad nauseum now, uh, so we don't need to get into that. But gosh, I still hope it, it looks like it's over as far as what we expected. Uh, do you want to talk anything specifically about the Penn State game? Well, I think uh, we could talk a little bit about specifically about the Penn State, but I think a lot of it is an overarcher of the season. Okay. Um, you know, one just being the position, especially on offense. Uh, you know, with, I mean, I know that you know Honeybrook was out with with the with the concussion protocol, and you had mm-hmm. Cohen in there, and it just didn't seem like it. Just the play calling and everything for the offense did not seem like it was set up for for success. And I, I don't think that was. You know, I don't think that was just this game. I think that was something that has kind of been over, and it was just magnified in these last couple of games here. Yeah, I, that, that was definitely something I wanted to, if we were going to talk about the game, wanted to touch on was just kind of the preparation uh, for this game. You knew, I, I assume that the coaches knew, or at least they had a, uh, an inkling that Cone was going to have to start, and, and they said all the things that they had confidence in that sort of thing. But then their play calling showed that they had no confidence, and they didn't do any of the little, uh, you know, quarterback friendly things that you could try and ease him into the game. Uh, you know, any rollouts, things like that. Um, and when the game started, you know, we had the big run by by Taylor, uh, and then that's all it seemed that we tried to do was run up the middle with Taylor. We didn't get any misdirection. I think the first jet sweep was late in the fourth quarter. And it went for like three yards because they ran a short side of the field. I always hate when they run towards the short side of the field. Um, but that was the first, I think, the only time they ran the jet sweep. And then the only screen pass that I saw or that I recall, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Marlo, uh, was at the end of the game when the, it was decided. And it, it didn't go for anything either. So like these little things that you are, should do to kind of open up the field, open up for the run game, or you know, eventually some sort of passing game, they weren't right. even trying. Yeah. And it's like it's it's one thing. I mean, Cohen had 19 yards in the third quarter of passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and today's college football is just it's just unacceptable in any way, shape, or form. And it's it's just screaming in my head like, why aren't they just doing short at least like short? Why is he taking five stop step backs? Like he was he obviously doesn't have the time. And you know why don't we do in quick throws? Just get him get something out there. Get something out there. And it just was the lack of creativity, the lack of 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 changing it up. You know. 
it's easy to stop a third and one when you know exactly what is going to happen. Right. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, as you said, an overarcher of the of the year. I think that's how I we felt throughout the year uh, on that. Um, I guess positives. There was that one seventy-five yard one. That was about the the, the one positive. <laughs> I thought the defense played pretty well, all things considered. Um, oh yeah, the defense. The defense played better. The defense played well. They played well enough to win. To be yeah. honest with you, yeah. Yep. No, I agree. So, um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, next week at Purdue, um, Purdue got beat uh, this week. Uh, so they're coming off of a loss. Who did they lose to, Marlo? I'm blanking right now on. And who they Minnesota. Lost they lost to Minnesota. So, I mean, I guess that's the two left on our schedule. So, uh, I, I don't know what to make of that as far as if our schedule is easier or harder. <laughs> Off of that, uh, I think it's a winnable game. I, yeah. I expect us to win, but I've said that uh, every game this year. <laughs> and I was wrong a little bit, uh, a little bit less than half of the time. But uh, presume yeah. Horny Brooks back. Maybe. Maybe. Um, yeah, but it's also natural grass, and that's scaring me. We are now 0-2 on natural grass this year. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Purdue, I, I think it's a bad matchup, but it, they also kind of seem like a streaky team. Yeah, they're, they're either scoring a lot or they're not scoring at all. So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what, show, we'll see what shows up on Saturday. All right. Uh, I guess let's mercifully move on from – the Badger football team and on to the Badger basketball team uh, staying in on campus. Um, Your Badgers undefeated had, Badgers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top of the Big Ten. <laughs> I, I saw uh, a Big Ten standings and it had everybody else in the Big Ten had one. So it was like one tied for one uh, all the way down uh, through 13 and then 14 was Michigan State. They were 0-1. So they had lost to Kansas. It was great. A beautiful sight. Uh, probably won't last. Uh so <laughs> one and no Badgers with a win at home over Coppin State. They won 85-63. Uh, I guess the highlight of the game was uh, Hap's triple-double. Um, the last uh, of the three stat categories for him to get the triple-double in was points, which I thought was pretty funny Yeah, because obviously that's the easiest one to get. Uh, and apparently only the second triple-double in Badger basketball history, which... Shocking. It, it actually surprising. is Very surprising. Um, the other one was Gosser, uh, who did it. Whatever, I don't know, a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't that long ago. It, it, yeah, it's yeah. been in the last. It's been in the last like ten years, and they've all yeah. happened. And, um, and I think it was Gosser's freshman year. I think I remember that. Uh, but yeah, no, congrats to Ethan Hab. I think the best part about that, like you said, it, it, he's he had to get two points late in the uh, late in the second half, and he got them from the free throw line, both of mm. them, which I thought was the best part about it. You know, I mean, it's Coppin State. You expect to win. Yep. I think going up to, as far as this part of the season, going up to the free throw line with a uh, with a triple double on the line, knocking down two free throws for Ethan Hab is good pressure practice. Yeah, about as pressure as he's going to get in a, a a game like this uh, with the, with the scrolling ahead. I guess the other uh, bright spot was Demetrius Trice back from injury last year, uh, nailing three pointers, uh, knocked down five in the first half. Finished with more than that, but it was, I guess, one great to see him back playing. And if he can add uh, or continue, maybe he won't. I, I presume he won't shoot like this every game. But if he can at least add a little bit more of a three-point threat than we had last year, that might really open up the uh, 
the floor and uh, for Hap to work down low. So that was great to see. All right. Uh, looking ahead for <laughs> Badger basketball uh, Tuesday, they are at Xavier uh, in in Cincinnati. Uh, I, I imagine it will be a tough game. Uh, I assume that Xavier, while Chris Mackless, uh, will still be a pretty formidable opponent, obviously more than Coppin State. Uh, I think that'd be a good uh, out-of-conference win if we are able to get that. And then we are the big one against HBU. Uh, that is uh, Houston Baptist. I had to look it up again because I again couldn't remember who HPU was. Uh, <laughs> Houston Baptist on uh, Saturday, and that's at home. So uh, a tough, I guess, a, one tough one, and then uh, what should be another easy one ahead for uh, the men's basketball team. Yeah, excited for Tuesday against Xavier. It's actually going to be on a actual television station. Yep, that can come through the TV. So I have to get the eyes on the Badgers. I. Th- um, you know, not going to make any bold predictions here. Hope, hopefully, we come through with the W, uh, but it'll be good to, you know, kind of see that squad against uh, another quality squad on the road. Yeah, and if I can see replays of uh, Koenig's last second shot over them yes. and Bill Murray's reaction a couple times between now and then, that would be great. Oh, yeah. it's Yeah, it's on FS1, so Fox likes to do that stuff. You know yeah. they're going to run that a couple times. All right. Sticking on campus, other sports uh, on the men's side. Men's hockey had a split this weekend against Minnesota in the border battle. And men's soccer lost in the semifinals to Michigan. Uh, They're now awaiting the call uh, to see if they're in the NCAA tournament uh, there. So it was the uh, winningest season in the Big Ten uh, as far as Big Ten victories for the men's soccer team. So a great season there. Uh, hoping it will continue, assuming it will continue uh, in the NSA tournament, and we'll keep you posted on that. All right, before we uh, move on to uh, the pro ranks, uh, there was Bedlam in Bedlam, Marlo, in, in other college football news. Yeah, other college football news. So the afternoon slots of game, you had Bedlam, you had Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. You had Iowa and Northwestern all at the same time. Yeah. Pretty much the same type of game, right? Yeah. Yeah, they were no. <laughs> pretty sure they were playing different sports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was kind of, I was flipping, it was very interesting to flip back and forth because they were very, you flip to Bedlam, you know someone's going to score. Yeah. You flip to Iowa, uh, Northwestern, you're hoping someone scores. You're hoping someone makes you're- a first down. You're figuring someone's punting. <laughs> yeah, you, you, they're going to run the ball. They're going to run the ball, and then they're going to punt it. Um, but it was it was exciting for different reasons, right? Yeah. You want to see how they got a touchdown on one side. You want to see if they got it on the other side. But it's pretty much the same game because at halftime at Bedlam, there was 811 yards of total offense between the two teams. <laughs> there was less than 600 yards total against Iowa, <laughs> Iowa and Northwestern. Wow. But yeah, it's so the no defense in the Big Twelve is back. That game was crazy. Um, Oklahoma State ended up going for two for the win. Again, another week, another this, but they didn't. They weren't able to. Uh, they weren't able to connect in the two point conversion. So Oklahoma escapes a narrow win in Bedlam, and of course Northwestern sneaks one out at Iowa. Why do people keep saying it's hard to win at Iowa? Because uh, Ohio State lost there last year. <laughs> it's like yeah, <laughs> it's I, I feel it. like they've lost every home game. Um, and the one time that I'm you know cheering for Iowa to win, they don't come through, of course, and. I don't know if you saw it, Casey, but it was really, really hard to watch like Northwestern Pat Fitzgerald call themselves Big Ten West champs and just made me just made me sick inside. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't 
I was obviously wasn't happy about it. Uh, going back to the Big Twelve, no defense. Uh, Texas and Texas Tech, uh, the night game in the Big Twelve was also a shootout uh, that Texas ended up winning. Uh, that was in the, I think both teams were in the forties, something like that. Um, and on the other end, for Big Ten football, it looked for a long time like uh, Ohio State, uh, yeah. Michigan State. I think it was it was zero zero almost at halftime, and then Ohio yeah. State finally scored. I think there was 14 punts before there was a non-punt <laughs> in that game. Uh, so Big Ten football, it's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, Big Ten weather brings Big Ten football. <laughs> that's right. That was uh, the big story this week. There's a lot of Big Ten weather around. Yeah. Um, but that game obviously ended up being Ohio State put on some points in the second half. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, those were my, that's pretty much my take All right. from... Uh, to college football. So now, one thing I didn't, I, did, oh, I forgot, oh. I forgot to bring up before we're talking about the Badgers real quick. Yeah. Uh, during the game, that there was a lot of talk on the on the internets. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of talks on the internets. Um, there's a lot of crazy people out there, but I want to get your take on a couple of a couple of these comments. <sighs> all right. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> that always makes I, me nervous when you do this. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Uh, so there's <laughs> a lot of talk about Chris Chris being on the hot seat. Yeah. It's. I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> this is the first his, this is his fourth season right yeah in his first three seasons he won 10 games or more i mean let's let's settle down everyone right. uh to be fair i think he deserves some criticism for the way the offense has performed uh throughout the year kind of the things we we're talking about the play calling the lack of imagination uh on the offensive end i think he deserves some criticism for uh but i'm not ready to, to jump ship on on Paul Chris, I'll yeah. tell you that it gets more ridiculous if you if if you could think because someone asked if Bill Moe is still available to come back. Oh my God! Well, sure he's available. <laughs> he's he's a special assistant. He's to like Bill a Moe. food specialist or something. <laughs> Showing him how to eat in <laughs> New England. My God. Yeah, exactly. Oh, um, that is a ridiculous comment. <laughs> they should be they should be kicked off Twitter just for that. Yeah, that's so ridiculous. Um, and then there's also a lot of uh, a Graham Mertz talk. A lot of Graham Mertz talk. Um, if you remember, Grim Marks is the coveted yeah. quarterback recruit that is coming to Wisconsin. Um, but yeah, yeah a, lot of, a lot of chat out there because you know, obviously, Cohen didn't ha- is, hasn't had the showing that we would all like. Yeah, I think um, as, and he's going to be the savior. I think as Cohen had uh, 19 yards, as you mentioned in the third quarter uh, that same day, uh, Mertz had six touchdowns in the I think it's Kansas 6A state championship game. So. Uh, that I think equates directly to Big Ten success. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> as you know, we've done this podcast. I've tried to dive deep, deeper into the recruiting, and my God, is it maddening! I mean, <laughs> to tr- like, I can ha- you know follow all these college teams and things, but then I'm following like high school players, where they're from, who they're being recruited by who they're narrowing down their schools to. It's ridiculous. Um, but I'm excited for Graham Mertz. Uh, I, I'm i not going to go so far as say he should be the starter next year, but I think he totally deserves a shot. <laughs> oh, and, there better be a competition, at least. And uh, I think I think he could he could win it. I'm, I'm excited for him to be uh, a Badger, for, for sure. Um, but let's... See how you know at least let him practice with with some uh, college athletes before we uh, anoint him the savior of the program. 
Yes, agreed. That, agreed. By the way, won the Orange Bowl last year. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You, if you take the records of the two teams that, that were in the Orange Bowl last year. It's not fun. Yeah, I saw that, uh, too, because uh, Miami lost again, didn't they? Yep. They're 5-4 and four now? Yeah. 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 Not good. Those were two up and running, up and coming programs at the Orange Bowl. Yeah. Last season. Did they lose the turnover chain? Did they? Not, they don't no, have it anymore. They still, still there. They're still there. It, it even got it got bigger. Uh, yeah, it, they still do it, but what? you know. I mean, that's something that's fun when you're like eight and one. <laughs> right, right. You're five and four. It doesn't seem as fun. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. All right. Sorry, I just had to bring that up because I wanted to get your reaction. Yeah. Uh, it's it was funny. I, I saw a comment uh, on the Twitters today, uh, and they were talking about how the Bucks fans were overreacting to uh, Bledsoe's performance yesterday in the Clippers game, and they're like, "And I know that the Packers fans have been after Mike McCarthy's job, uh, which we may talk about in a little bit." Uh, <laughs> and, and you know, th- th- these fans are so um, unreasonable. I bet. The Badger fans, though, I bet they're you know level-headed. I was like, they have no, no. idea, no idea, <laughs> no idea. Five and four, and they're like, no idea. Uh, so anyway, not level-headed, at least the not at all. Tweets that we choose to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> all right, the rest of college football, the playoff rankings come out again on Tuesday. Yeah. Do you have a? Do you have your personal top four? Yeah, I think we should let everybody know how they're going to be as. Uh, you know, we obviously know better than the however many people are in that room making yep. making this decision. Uh, I think it stays the same for me uh, as it did last week. Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Michigan. Um, and then I guess you put. I do. Should we go? We go to six, like they do in the graphic. We can go to six. You can go to six. Yeah, go I to six. I didn't plan to go to six, so I'm gonna do it off the top of my head, and then I'll go. Ohio State, just because I like, I think they'll want Michigan, Ohio State to be as high as possible for when they play each other. Yeah. Um, and then I'll take Washington State, who is Ooh. Uh, only has one loss and looked really good over the weekend. And Mike Leach is hilarious. <laughs> He's a funny oh, dude. Speaking of hilarious, I mentioned. Yeah. I thought to mention this during Bedlam. Did you see, as we we mentioned that that oh. went for two? Did you see yeah. Mike Gundy's press conference? I did see Mike Gundy's press conference. If you haven't seen it, you know, use the internet to find it. That guy is just out of Fs. He doesn't care. <laughs> he knows he's not getting fired from that job. He does not care at all. It's fantastic. Anytime no that guy's in front of a microphone. Yeah. Uh, in front of a microphone with his hairstyle, no Fs lost uh, by him. Uh, anyway, so that's my <laughs> sidetrack. Top, that's my top six. Okay. Also, someone almost died in that the, the the wagon at Oklahoma. I don't know if you call him a cheerleader or whatever. Those guys that ride around in the wagon. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. terrifying. That was crazy. And then he got up and cheered. So yeah. way to stay in the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So my top four. I get Alabama one, Clemson two, who who kicked the crap out of BC, and everyone thought that BC had a chance, and they had no chance. So good on them. Um, number three. Ooh. Oh, number three, Michigan. Okay. Number four, UCF. <laughs> five. <laughs> or five is Notre Dame. Oh, boy. And it'll go six, uh, Washington State. Nice. All right. Yeah. So that would be it. UCF. UCF. 20, 23 in a row, something silly. Give him a chance. Give him a chance. Who cares? It's like one of those things, like, they'll not beat a team anyways. Like, who's going to beat Alabama anyways? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Just let them, let them have see, it. See, that's the thing. If they get a chance, they're going to be the four, and then they'll have to play mm-hmm. Alabama. We'll see. And then... 
they'll win by a, or they'll win. That would be something, huh? They'll <laughs> yeah. lose by like a thousand, and yeah. everybody like, see, we told you, <laughs> told you. Well, yeah, but then when Notre Dame gets pumped by like thirty, they'll be like, well, it's Alabama. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, speaking of Al- right. Alabama and transitioning to the NFL, did you see that sportsbook put a, a number on a Alabama versus. I think Alabama versus Buffalo game. Oh, okay. No, I didn't see this. They had uh, Buffalo 28-and-a-half favorites over Alabama. Do you think Alabama could cover? <sighs> Probably. <laughs> Probably. 28-yeah, 28, 28. That's a big, it's a big spread, but I think in a vacuum, right, they probably could cover. But if you told NFL players, hey, you're playing this game against Alabama— like they would get up and you know, just yeah. run that score yeah. up, you know. But if you played it like if you dress Alabama in you know in like a in a Jets uniform and put them in at like week twelve, maybe maybe that's what happened to the Jets today. It was actually <laughs> Alabama. Maybe then they would have covered, right? I think so. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I don't. I just it, and I guess it's weird to say because the the Bills did well today against the Jets, but yeah. I could see Buffalo not being able to throw. <laughs> this is going to suffer. I could see a situation in which Alabama, or excuse me, Buffalo can't move the ball through the air. But then I just presume they would be able to move the ball on the ground because their offensive linemen are probably thirty, forty pounds heavier. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 dumb to talk about. <laughs> it's so it's so dumb to talk about. But I just can't like it's actually a sports book bet. It's crazy. But I don't know how you collect on that. So. Yeah, well, yeah, no, you can. All right. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Bills and Jets, and I guess maybe better NFL teams at least. Uh, yeah. Bears played today. Bears did play today uh, against the Detroit Lions at home in Chicago, and Mac was back, and so was the rest of the defense. Uh, putting our hurt on. Matt Stafford. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Stafford. Mac had two Mac had two sacks. Um the defense was swarming. Got up early. Got up early on him, uh up to a twenty well, twenty two nothing lead. Yeah. We'll weird weird score twenty two. Yeah, weird weird score. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> while Mitch was while Mitch was running around. Mitch Mitch was elite today. Oh uh, he, he was elite today, and there's nothing you can say about it, so don't even try with three hundred plus yards, two touchdowns. Uh, was twenty three for thirty, rushing touchdown too, right? Yeah, and, and a rushing touchdown. So yeah, bitch was good. Bitch was elite. Only only bad spot was Parky, our kicker. Yeah, he was consistently consistent on hitting the right goalpost. Nice. It's on, hard to do. Very. It's so hard to do. I it's. I feel like he was trying to do it on purpose, but he hit the right bo- goalpost on two extra points and two field goals during the game, which is just it's. If you look looking at the telecast, like it's one of those you can hear it just boom, and it's four times in a row. And at one time, I thought it was a replay because I turned away real quick, but no, it was the actual play. Um, but yeah, Parky, yeah, Parky with the four miss with the four miss kicks is it's. I mean, that's eight points, eight points left off the board. Um, you know, obviously in a close game, that's that's very crucial. And it's just, I don't know. I'm I'm glad it happened now and not in a close game. Hopefully, that's not. Not for things to come, yeah. as we go. Through he was this what run. is he? He was he was precise but not accurate, or what? <laughs> I always forget which way. Accurate but not precise. I always forget which way that goes. Yeah, I don't know. Precise, but he, precise but not accurate. 
It's one of those. It, yeah, it's either that way or the other way. Yeah. But Robbie Gold would have made those kicks. Tell Robbie you. Gold absolutely would have made those kicks. <laughs> Hall of that's, Fame, Hall of Game kicker. That's one of my favorite hills that the Bears, are, <laughs> Bears fans are on. Just in time. Anything goes bad in the kicking game, Robbie Gold would have made that. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's totally fair. It's totally fair because he would have. Um, but, yeah, great game. Uh, great game from the Bears. It was, you know, nice, nice pretty much stress-free game-watching experience, Yeah, um, which is nice. The, my only qualm is that I sat Mitch Krabitsky on my fantasy team. But mm. that's all right. We have <laughs> Minnesota coming up next week, Sunday night. Primetime, big game. Yeah. Um, and then we have Detroit after that on Thursday of Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, I guess we talked about going in these three games. Uh, it'll I, maybe more, uh, more or less decide the North this year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what the return game against Detroit is like. Uh, not to overlook the Minnesota game. Um, but I don't know. It seemed to me a little bit like Detroit didn't care today i don't know maybe it's just because i got down early or and there was a lot of talk in the media about them giving up on their coach which mm. you know this is year one of <laughs> lost the locker room his tenure and that's mm. not a it's not a great sign uh there uh it, maybe that's just me coming up with excuses instead of acknowledging the bears are good but <laughs> part of my I feel like it's part of my job mm. um and then I also thought, like, oh, it's just against the Lions. Like, oh, we lost to the Lions like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> Crap, I can't say that. But uh, but I tried there anyway. I tried to, to mix it in anyway. Well, yeah, no, it's funny you say that because I, I think you're not the only ones. I think a lot of, you know, Chicago fans are just now starting to become believers themselves. Uh, you thought at the beginning of this year, you know, obviously, hopefully we do better. We, I, we already have one more win than last season, so that's a plus. Yeah. But at it's actually starting to get expectations out there of, you know, winning a division, making the playoffs, doing stuff like that and making a run where that was not there at the beginning of the season at all. It was just, right. Hey, let's be better. And then, and build on top of that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's still in the same boat. I am being, you know, truth be told, if you probably to a lie detector, I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of teetering on. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I don't, again, I don't want to be disappointed. Um, but you know, I want to enjoy the ride while we're doing it. All right, I will not enjoy it if that goes well for your team. Uh, Packers had a win today, um, defeating the Dolphins. Although uh, I, I, we talked about this offline, my life. I feel like I'm a, sometimes I'm, I'm a terrible fan because I we talk about when the Badgers win, you uh, want to win by more, like we're not satisfied in the victory. And again, in this Packers game, I wasn't satisfied with the victory. It was over a Brock Osweiler-led team, and who loses to a Brock Osweiler-led team? Yeah, who I does mean, that? Come on, what kind of team what kind does of team that? does that? Ridiculous. Jeez. I was so uh, hoping you got Brock today. What a great nice day. No, uh, we did not. He was uh, the his usual self uh, today. Uh, the bright spot for the Packers was Aaron Jones finally getting uh, some carries. Uh, he finished the day with 15 carries, 145 yards. Uh, one of those was, I think, one of those carries was, I think, like 60, 67 yards, something like that, and two touchdowns. Um, <clears throat> I think we talked about when Montgomery was jettisoned from the team, about how we, I hope that turned into... Uh, Aaron Jones carries in for the most part uh, it seemed like it did today although there was one play uh, I think it was in the in the second quarter where uh, Jones had like something like 10 carries for uh, over 100 yards already or something it was 
let's not be concerned with the stats. But he <laughs> clearly established himself as an effective running back in the game. And it was third and two, and they had Devontae Adams lined up in the backfield. It's just like, what the hell are you doing, Mike McCarthy? Just put in <laughs> your best running back to at least give the suggestion you're going to run the ball. It was ridiculous. Uh, but Aaron Jones, uh, ball, uh, game ball uh, from me today. Um, Packers, that's like, I guess all I got. Aaron Rodgers was so so today. Um, still seems a little bit off. Uh, I don't the brace. Playing without the brace. Uh, he was more mobile, but he had a couple miscommunications with Adams today, which was kind of weird, uh, seeing as you would think he's the one guy that Rodgers would be uh, in sync with. Uh, no Cobb again today, who, uh, again, is battling injuries. Uh, I was going to complain about injuries uh, <laughs> for the Packers. It seems like uh, they have four or five guys missing from the defense. Uh, Jair Alexander at the end of the game limped off. We'll see how all that works out, and we have a short week to recover because we're at Seattle on Thursday, um, who gave the Rams a pretty close game today, which was a bit surprising, uh, although I guess you could say the Packers did too. Uh, I don't have high hopes for this game uh, at Seattle. I feel like in these Thursday games uh, that the home team has such an advantage uh, to, uh, to the game, and don't try to confuse me with your stats if that's not the case. That's how I feel. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to put put forward, that uh, Seattle's a huge advantage because they're home. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> does, so. does, the, does the Hail Mary still keep you up it's at night? It's the Fail Mary? Yeah. That <laughs> is, uh, so, no, not only that, we, we have that, and then in the NFC Championship game we have the um, oh, yeah, the, the onside kick that bounced off of um, – oh, I'm blanking on his name um, – the tight end, Bostic, uh, bounced off him and was recovered, and then uh, Seattle went on to win. So we have both of those uh, terrible recent losses to Seattle. Oh, thanks, Marlo. Thanks for bringing that up. No I'm sure it won't be it. brought up as we talked about things being brought up uh, earlier in the, in the Xavier game. I'm sure that will be brought up a multitude of times between now and and Thursday, so I'll try to ignore all that. Uh, so that's Packers recap. A good win, 31-12. First time in Packers history that that was the final score, which seems weird. There's been a lot of games. Uh, and only the fifth time in NFL history, so stats. Stats. Yeah. Uh, speaking of first times in NFL history. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Today, the Patriots lost and the Browns won. Wow. Is that a first? But. Probably not in, in NFL history. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Probably in the last 10 years, I'd imagine. 10, 15 years, maybe. Uh, yeah, that was that was something. Uh, the Patriots losing in Tennessee. Uh, although that felt, I guess it, it felt like a trap game uh, for the Patriots after I uh, what I felt like was a big game against the Packers. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know how the, a neutral... A, a neutral fan would observe that. It was the goat versus the goat. Of course, it was yeah. a good game. Oh, God. Yeah, that was that was fun. <laughs> Michael Jordan uh, said so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it also hurt my feelings that they lost because then it makes like, oh, the Packers were close and, you know, against the Patriots and they go and lose. Makes that, not that it matters, right? The loss right. is a loss in the NFL. Yeah. Um, but it, it hurt my feelings a little bit. And then the Browns win, uh, proving that Hugh Jackson was the problem all along. <laughs> Or uh, the other coach that was fired. So you don't even yeah. need those coaches. You just yeah. per- just have a defensive coordinator and you're fine. Yeah, have a defensive coordinator. Have him tell. Uh, have Baker Mayfield throw, uh, draw plays in the dirt, throw it around, <laughs> and, 
and just get get the hell out the way and let let let, right. let the Cleveland Browns play. Don't try to offensive coordinate him. Yeah, <laughs> let him let him do what he does. He's a gunslinger. He reminds you of yeah. Brett Favre. Yeah. Well, Brett Favre lost a second place in passing touchdowns today to Drew Brees. Oh. But oh. if Brett Favre played in today's NFL, let me tell oh, you. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> He probably wouldn't play as much because he had too many concussions. Too, yeah, yeah, he probably would be in concussion <laughs> protocol a lot more. <laughs> he definitely would not have had that uh, streak of games played. I'll tell you that. <laughs> definitely been checked into concussion protocol. Holy cow. Uh, all right. That's it. Anything else for the NFL? No, nah, I think it was. No, nah, I think we. I think we did a pretty good job. I think we summed yeah. it up. Eagles, Eagles, Cowboys going on right now. Uh, I don't expect. Anything too noteworthy coming out of that for us? So, all right. So, all right. on to our uh, big NBA interview. Big NBA interview. We were joined by Jacobs from the Bucks Leading Radio podcast. Uh, great talk about the Bucks. Talk a little bit more uh, about the NBA because we're an NBA podcast now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fun interview. Uh, Casey got the geek out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's good times. So we'll send you to that. All right. We now welcome on Jacobs from the Bucks Leading Radio uh, podcast. Jacobs, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a couple of times rescheduled, but we, we finally made this happen. <laughs> yeah, finally, uh, yeah, finally come through. So Jacobs knows all there is about the Bucks. Um, check out his podcast, the Bucks Leading Radio. Uh, if you want to give a second, Jacobs, you want to give a kind of overview of your podcast quick? Sure. Uh, yeah. So on Twitter at Bucks underscore radio um, every week, just have, usually have a, a friend or, you know, somebody on. We just kind of discuss Bucks related topics. We go through the past few games since the last episode, uh, talk about season ahead, things that are happening and pretty much everything. It's a good time. It's uh, sometimes gets pretty in depth. Sometimes it's uh, a little more lighthearted and uh, I, I'm enjoying it. So and uh, shout out to the 132 Breeze prod podcast. Good stuff you guys are doing. Um, glad we were able to make this happen. All right, thanks. Appreciate it. All right, so getting to the Bucks, the Bucks, the 2018-2019 Bucks. There is a lot of hype around this team. Is it time to check this hype? Is this hype warranted? Where where are we at with this? Uh, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. I think that there's been so much hype around this Bucks team for many years, probably since Giannis has been drafted. Finally, I actually think it's warranted. Um, you know, I think we've proven it on the court. Uh, obviously, we lost to the Clippers yesterday, but you know we've shown great things, beating the Warriors the other night, and Giannis playing out of his mind, and it's all really because of Coach Budenholzer. I mean, I think you can take this all the way back to the new owners and how this kind of uh, got here, but I think you're looking at a great coaching change and really unlocking the potential that is in this team. Now that hype, I know it's a lot around in this area. Do you think it's? Do you think their hype is getting snubbed nationally? Do you think it's being taken like they're a team to contend with, or is just this a fun story to begin the season? In your opinion, nationally speaking, national. And I was I was ready for this question because I've been thinking <laughs> about this recently too. Because uh, a lot of people say, you know, oh, ESPN's not covering it; they're covering the Lakers and and all this stuff when they should be covering the Bucks. When I'm, I kind of like flying under the radar. Uh, it seems like every time we play on TNT, it's never our best. Uh, every time we are in the national spotlight, there's a lot of pressure. I actually like not ha- feeling that all the time. When we were uh, undefeated, I felt like 
it could only go down. So now that we kind of got a couple losses under our belt, we learned things and we move forward, you know, I think that's good. And I think we can quietly take this Eastern Conference. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the Warriors win. That was a big win. That kind of, you know, I mean, uh, I guess I truth be told, I'm a I'm a Bulls fan. So Casey's the Bucks fan on this yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. But that kind of opened my eyes. Like, okay, maybe they are for real. I mean, there's always room on the bandwagon, Marlo. You know, whenever <laughs> you want to give up on Jabari Parker, you can come on up, man. <laughs> How did I know that was going to come up? Yeah. Yeah, the, <laughs> the you got to watch out for his. Go ahead. The, the under on how soon Jabari Parker got brought up when it came came way under what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I should just open up with that. Like, how's Jabari Parker doing? <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, just sitting around eating some beefs, or at least he looks like it anyway. <laughs> Dude, his knee wraps are bad. He got a delay of game for that. Oh, it's tough. Um, anyway, back to your original question. Uh, so the Warriors win was good. I I, I kind of tweeted at you. You know, I've been saying this all year. We can take the Warriors in a seven game series. Uh, we just match up well against them. They don't have an answer for Giannis. I think if Draymond plays in that game, it's not that much different. Uh, you know, you won by, what, 23 points. So if you're telling me that Draymond comes out and he can erase that deficit, I don't. I think you're crazy. But, you know, the Warriors are good. We weren't even playing our best. We shot 25% from the three-pointer, which is a cornerstone in Mike Budenholzer's offense. So I think you shoot a normal 40% like we have been all year. And that game, we win by 40 points, not just 20. So I think that it was finally time that we proved how good we are by beating them. And I think a lot of people around Milwaukee, Casey, you probably know, have been watching this team, that we have been this good. And I think that was kind of just a statement to be like, yes, let me show the world how good we actually are. So, you so you're calling of, it. You're saying they can beat Warriors in seven. <laughs> yeah, if we come out of the East, I think we're NBA Ooh. champions for sure. Mark it oh, down. All right. all right, go ahead. I don't. I mean, hey, look at look at what happened to the Boston Celtics. Just have our number because of how good how good of a coach Brad Stevens is. But talent to talent, I think we are just as good as the Warriors and can beat them. Also, we're deeper than them. Their bench is lacking. Uh, when I when I wrote down this hype check question, I was expecting you to throw a little bit of cold water on me, but it, the hype is is now more real than ever <laughs> in in my mind. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple times uh, Coach Bud's uh, system, or, or you know that he he brought to the team, or that maybe the change from last year. What I guess specifically about his system has kind of unlocked uh, the Bucks offense, and uh, maybe even more, not only Giannis, but some of the other, uh, you know, key players. Uh, it seems like Middleton's playing much better, Bledsoe, and even, you know, some of the other smaller role players. Yeah, definitely. And I think, and that's a great question. I don't know if there's actually one specific thing that Budenholzer is doing from a, like, coaching aspect. I think it's just because he's communicating with the players, he's telling them what he wants, and he's giving them the confidence to go out there and do that. For example, when Kidd was the head coach, uh, a lot of times you would find out that he benched players and not tell them why. I remember specifically being at a Timberwolves game and Brogdon didn't play the whole first half and he had no idea why. When asked about it, he said, oh, I just saw Sterling Brown on the bench first. Obviously, that was a joke or whatever it was. But I think you're now seeing Budenholzer telling guys what they want to do, giving them the confidence to go out there and do it. And if they screw up, it's not necessarily a punishment, but more a learning experience. So while it is great that he's doing, you know, the blue boxes in practice where, you know, in transition, guys run to the corners, which you can see every single game, um, you know. But overall, I really think it's just confidence and really believing in his guys. And Jack and threes. Yep. Letting yeah, I was going to say, Jack and school, the, the scores for the Bucks have been out of this world. I mean, 
complete night and day, right? Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Totally. Oh, I mean, I went to that Kings game where we won by like we scored 140 points, and it looked super easy. Like it, it looked like this the should, team should have been doing it for years now, and it it's never been a problem really defensively. I think you saw that last season where we really lacked. But this team is inherently good at defense with the length and the athleticism that we have. But if we can just figure out how to score, I mean, I think obviously there's been a couple moves, the addition of Brook Lopez raining down threes on people, Ursan Ilyasova <laughs> helping on every other aspect of the floor, taking his charges like he does, and you know every, a couple other things. But overall, this is just what we should have been seeing for years, and I think what we've been waiting for, really. Yeah, I think the good-looking good looking Lopez... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Casey. <laughs> yeah, I think you kind of stepped on my next question. I wanted to talk about kind of the three types of off-season moves and kind of having you talk through or rank what their importance of. This is my sports talk show question. <laughs> so we got adding Coach Budenhauser, uh, the rookies that we drafted uh, with uh, DiFincenzo and uh, Connington, and the free agent signings in Lopez and Ilias. So, but what's the, I guess, most important to least important of those in, in the sure. change this year? And Casey, you know, I'm going to correct you. We signed Pat Connaughton. He was drafted by the Portland Trailblazers. Come oh, on, man. Fair. You call yourself oh. a Fox fan. <laughs> that's, why, uh, that's why we bring you on. Yeah. <laughs> bring the truth. Oh, bring the truth. <laughs> uh, no, that's a, it's a great question. And I think it's been something that people have been talking about for, um, you know, pretty much this whole season. But obviously, I think number one is adding Budenholzer. I think if you just add Mike Budenholzer, you don't make those other moves, this team, this team still makes a jump this year. It may not be as big as it has been, but I think the next you're looking at Brook Lopez. One of the things that this team really struggled with last season, and it was a main point, was rebounding. And you know anybody watching that team, it was terrible. I don't understand how that was. But Brook Lopez may not get stats. For example, I think he has like he has like two or three rebounds on a year, really. And that's just because he is so good at boxing out the opposing team's center that it opens up room for Giannis, Bledsoe, other guys to get in there and grab those boards. And I think you're seeing it a lot with Ursan too. But I think if you look, Giannis's average rebounds per game have jumped up by like five since the addition of Brooke Lopez. So I think you add him next, especially with his ability to spread the floor. So number one, adding Budenholzer. Two, signing Brooke Lopez. Three, I think you're looking at the return of Ursan Ilyasova. A lot of people criticized that signing because it was a midnight signing on free agency. Excuse me, and maybe not necessarily appreciating it for what it is. But you know, Ursan's history with Budenholzer playing under him and on that Hawks team that won 62 games, um, his three-point shooting ability and his hustle has just been visible on the court every single game, every single time he gets out there. You know, he's a threat from the three-pointer as well. Um, and you kind of just look at that and you really appreciate that. And then, you know, four going down, Pat Connaughton has been a surprising signing for me. Um, you know, Notre Dame guys, we kind of said, you know, 45% three-point shooter. But he's hustling. He's playing a lot. And this was a guy coming from the Portland Trailblazers who was a who was a 20, 25-minute game guy uh, on that team, a solid role player. And he's kind of just... He's picking up minutes here and there, but you know this that just shows how deep this team has gotten, um, and it's it's just crazy to see. Another thing, Casey, that I think has been kind of interesting, and I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this is, you know, we've seen some different rotations from Budenholzer uh, with Pat Connaughton kind of going out there, Snell coming off the bench more, but we haven't seen a guy like Sterling Brown come out, who was a heavy rotation guy for Jason Kidd. Now, do you think it's because Sterling Brown is you know, lacking something? Do you think he 
Budenholz is not liking what he sees? Because it's a question that's kind of been ringing through my brain this whole this first part of the season. I mean, God, put me on the spot. I thought you were the expert <laughs> asking, asking the questions here. Uh, no. You just got reversed. Yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. No, I think. Uh, I guess I'm surprised to not to not see him as well. He was getting more minutes last year, as you said. Um, it's just got to be maybe the shooting isn't there uh, with Sterling Brown. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but, but maybe he doesn't uh, move as well within the offense as as Connington does. It it, it does surprise me. It, just the minutes, and that's why I kind of brought him up uh, that he is playing. So I, I guess I don't have an answer for you uh, on that one. Um, but I guess when you brought when you brought it up, I was surprised at how much I didn't miss him though. In the line. That's true. That's true. I thought he was going to be kind of a cornerstone and really kind of grow. And not seeing him now is kind of crazy. And then um, to back to your question, though, the addition of the rookies with Dante DiVincenzo, who's kind of been taking his minutes, I would say, uh, has been great. I think it's awesome that we finally hit, quote unquote, on a draft pick. If you look at our history, it's been very spotty. With, you know, Marlo's guy Jabari Parker down there in Chicago now, um, <laughs> DJ Wilson sitting on the bench in a suit. Um, yeah. And I can't even think about what other people we've drafted. So it's good to see him getting quality minutes, playing. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Don't even get me started on him. I thrown flying knee kicks around in a FIBA game, <laughs> but man. But no, it's been great. Um, I thought it was kind of funny. He's getting really tough assignments this year. Uh, he's been really showing up between, you know, defending Kyrie, Kemba. Uh, CJ McCollum obviously got shook in that game, but you know it's Steph Curry uh, and Clay Thompson. But it, it's been great watching it and awesome to see Budenholzer kind of give a guy like that the confidence to go out there and do that. All right. I, I mean, you kind of you're, you're touching on it a little bit, and I'm going to ask you what your biggest surprise of the year so far. But I think from my side point of view, I think it's the Div- the uh, Divincenzo draft pick because when you guys drafted him, I did not see him as a picking up minutes at all really. I didn't see him as a player in the NBA. I thought it was very, you know, had very athletic college player, not translate to the NBA necessarily. So see him to come off the bench and take these minutes especially early on here has been really surprising on my side, but I'll ask you though, what has been your biggest surprise uh, for the year for the team? Come on guys, it's John Henson's three-point percentage. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy's out here just freaking raining down threes. Um, <laughs> no, actually, my biggest surprise has been kind of Giannis and not really? not making a jump I expected with Budenholzer. His three-point percentage is, he's like two for 26 or something in the year. Um, he still looks really hesitant, and I, I, I don't know if that's lingering Jason Kidd problems or what that is, but, you know, I was really hoping to kind of see him make a jump from a jump shot perspective and a three-point perspective. Uh, obviously, he's the best player on the team, best player in the East, arguably, and, you know, he has a lot of great things and does a lot of great things, but I think that's been the biggest surprise, not necessarily that we were undefeated or that we're winning so many games. I think it's about time that we've actually done that, so, um, you know, that's what I think. I don't, I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for, but I think that's been the most surprising. No, I'm just I'm just looking for your answer, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> that, that's interesting because it seems like, uh, from a national standpoint, at least an MV, MVP odd standpoint, uh, it seems like people are seeing Giannis make that step. I think his at the start of the season he was like plus four fifty to win the MVP. I saw him today at plus one fifty, so he's odds on favorite to win the MVP. Uh, but it sounds like you think he even has another step to take than what he's already showing out there uh, in a vastly improved year so far. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Casey, I don't even know if he's improved that much. I think it's about time people are finally noticing him. You know, MVPs are usually voted on a winning team. So that's a, you know, a 
things, characteristics that need to be checked off right away. So now we're winning, okay? Now people are looking at us. They finally are seeing Giannis for what he's you know, doing. Defensively, he's a monster. Offensively, in the paint, he's unstoppable. But I think that, and, and a lot of people say this on you know ESPN, first take, whatever you want to call it, they say, oh, once he gets a jump shot, he'll be great. He is great right now, and don't think I'm not saying that, but I think he can be better than everybody else because if he can shoot and look offensively, basically like Kevin Durant, do what he does defensively and do what he does in the paint, this team's going to win the NBA championship for the next five years because it's unstoppable. You can't guard him. We're throwing out some bullets here. Five years. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay, fine. Whenever Zach Levine and Jabari Parker figure it out, maybe it'll be some competition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll, uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's all I got for uh, Bucks questions. Marlo, do you have any more on the Bucks, or can we take a step back and look uh, a little bit wider at NBA in general? Yeah, I think we can. Uh, I think we can. We can zoom out a little bit, just a little bit. We can stay in the Eastern Conference. Um, but I guess we're gonna get your reaction to the uh, the Butler trade that happened over the weekend, going to the Sixers. Um, obviously, this, the Sixers are an up and coming team. I think. I mean, I guess let me get your opinion on that on the Butler trade as far as it as its effect on the East in general. Yeah, I think it it definitely makes that Sixers team better. There's no doubt about that. It worries me a little bit. The Sixers are quote unquote the Bucks, you know, rival. Yeah. Uh, they're kind of our sister team. I, that's what I think of it as. Like we're both growing at the same time. We've been in that rebuild stage for a while. Joel Embiid's a great player. Adding Jimmy to that is. It's dangerous. However, I think that team has lost something since last season in Ersan Ilyasova, Ilyasova, Danilo Gallinari. You know, they lost some three-point shooting. Obviously, we know Ben Simmons isn't shooting a ball anytime soon. Markel Fultz is coming around. He looks better, and I'm glad to see that. I don't want to wish bad on anybody, but he's still a little shaky. So I think it does help them, but I don't think that necessarily makes them a top contender or a top prospect to come out of the East. Jimmy is seems to be toxic now, and I'm <laughs> yes. curious on how him and Joel are gonna react. I really hope he doesn't fuck Joel's girlfriend because <laughs> he'd probably kick his ass, not like yeah. Carl Anthony Towns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you guys think? I mean, you know, you look at that, and they're considered top four, top five teams in the East, but with Kawhi here too, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, so I think we, I've always said we've said Jimmy cannot be your best. Right, he can't be your best player on the team and, and expect to win. Him going to the Sixers, I mean, he's one of the best. I, he may be the best, but I just I wonder how he's going to gel with that team because um, he is a guy that has to be an alpha. Uh, you have some young guys on there who think they're the alpha, especially Embiid. Um, so I, I'm curious to see what that what that translates to. It and you know, obviously Jimmy needs to take a lot of shots. That's true. Yeah, uh, I think. It, you, I think. Go ahead. I think the question is kind of the the chemistry or the mental makeup of that team. I mean, you have young guys. Not only that, you have Markel Fultz, who like they have on like training wheels, you know, to try and get his confidence back and all that. You think Jimmy Butler is going to come in and like play nice and you know he's going to be in there being like you need me to win and uh, <laughs> that's all I care about except I destroy the, every locker room I've ever been in. Uh, I don't know. I, I think you know fundamental basketball sense obviously he's a better basketball player but when you take a step back and look at a team god i'm really worried that he's going to mess it all up i think that yeah i feel like joel and him are going to have a conversation and they're going to be like 
Jimmy's going to be like, he's like, I'm here to win. You know, I want to help this team win. And I think yeah. Joel is like kind of the guy that's going to be like, all right, well, let's, you know, let's freaking do this and settle in and, and not worry about all that outside stuff. I think, you know, Joel is a, he's a mental guy. He likes to get in people's heads, owns real estate and Andre Drummond's. So, you know, <laughs> that'll be interesting. So I think it, you're right. I think it can go one of two ways. I am interested to see how Jimmy plays not being coached by Tom Thibodeau. True. Seems like he couldn't get rid of that guy. That's very true. That's probably the most surprising thing for me that that Dibs actually gave him up. Uh, I felt I thought he was gonna like t- you know the fact that the first like asking price was like four first round picks, which is ridiculous. Um, not to mention what they actually got, what they actually uh, got for Jimmy is really nothing. But that's another story for another day. But yeah, the fact that he doesn't have Tibbs uh, is probably the most surprising things. I thought you know that was basically his dad, <laughs> and like and that's so surprising too how far Jimmy has come. Like come from Milwaukee, he was so humble and modest to like this this jimmy that will pop off at the mouth and you need me at any time to demanding himself out of out of minnesota of all places well i mean how about him just running those third stringers and beating the starters like i'm waiting (laughs) for that to happen in sixers practice but um to your point about what the timberwolves got you know that's i don't know if that's something to kind of you know you know rubber knows that because robert covington and dario sarge are two solid role players that you know the sixers gave up and i think you know, as I kind of said earlier, they just became less deep and their benches, you know, really falling. And you can't run Jimmy 40 minutes a game. Tom Thibodeau's proved it. So, you know, that'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how that goes. And maybe the Wolves will get better and maybe they become a contender. But I don't know if Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns can carry a team. Well, they got Derrick Rose. He just scored oh, 50. I don't know if you saw MVP. That. <laughs> he's back. How mad are you, Marlo? He's not Oh, my anymore. God. Uh, so when the, you have no idea. When when that happened, you, you were crying tears of happiness for him. Yeah, it, yeah. At first, I was happy. At first, I was happy for him, and then it just came back to like what it was all the what ifs. And I think in the Bulls put out a tweet of like his his best thirty plays. It's like don't do this to me. I know it didn't happen. Like it's the worst. And it's so I feel bad for him. Like his body gave up on him, but he also like he had so many bad people around him. And I won't get into it. But yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> It really hits home for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had I had in here next to to throw Marlo a bone by talking about the Bulls, and I guess <laughs> I don't know. We kind of did that a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to hurt his feelings anymore. But uh, <laughs> once once marketing gets what's, back, yeah. We'll, what's we'll, Casey? We'll he had right. MJ for how many years? Yeah. I think well, he can I'm take a, it. It's not that I'm feeling <laughs> uh, sorry for his team, but my goodness. <laughs> It was like what was it? Two weeks ago, Marlo, you were uh, mm-hmm. talking up Zach Levine. Yeah, that was, MVP. That was fun. Yeah, uh, we had some good Wendell Carter Jr. talk before the season. I, it's yeah. I think once marketing pieces. once marketing gets back, things things will be. I mean, we just beat the Cavs by one. <laughs> <laughs> defending, <laughs> defending finalists, right? <laughs> yeah, defending yeah defending finalist champs, defending conference champs three years in a row. <laughs> Can you we please tweet them. that out every time? <laughs> Without Kevin Love, too. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. All right. Uh, let's move on to uh, some predictions, I guess. Uh, where do you see the Bucks finishing? Uh, what seed in the Eastern Conference? Number two, man. I think they're, they're going to be number two again. And Boston's number one. I think you're looking at Toronto, number three. And then with Jimmy, Sixers, probably number four. You know, And then the rest is... Up for grabs. This Eastern Conference has actually been very fun to watch and kind of see who's going to come out. The Detroit Pistons looked like they were an early favorite 
being undefeated, but they've kind of fallen off the rails here a little bit. Blake Griffin balling out up there, but you know, I think it's going to be very interesting. So Bucks number two, Boston number one. What about you guys? I Go think ahead, Casey. I think Toronto is going to be number one. Uh, they just look like a the deepest team, and if Kawhi is playing like when he's healthy, I guess playing like Spurs Kawhi, uh, then I'll take Boston two, Bucks three, Sixers four. I got I got Boston I have Boston one, Toronto two, Bucks three, Sixers four. Bulls um, five. But with <laughs> yeah, Bulls, Bulls. No, stay out of the playoffs. Not yet. Stay out. Just stay out of the playoffs. Marcus has come back. They're gonna so Marcus come back. Yeah, that so we can lose competitively. That's the only thing we need to do. Uh, but of those of the teams in the East, are there any um teams that you see that might pose a matchup problem when it comes to playoff time? Yeah, I think it's tough. Uh, I feel like so far we've seen teams like Charlotte, I think, are dangerous. Kemba's balling on that team. And, you know, there's some great pieces on that. I think they're going to see a lower seed that could definitely upset uh, somebody else. Uh, Off the top of my head, you know, it's just kind of, it's just been very competitive, surprisingly. Indiana's playing well. Obviously, the Bucks have beaten both those teams, so not saying anything about that. <laughs> Casey saying Toronto's going to be number one, even though Bucks beat them without Giannis, so I'm just saying. That's the one they lost. There's like 11 and one, 12 and one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Toronto could also be a matchup problem with Kawhi. I'm actually excited to see them play each other with um, kind of all, both their superstars healthy. I don't know. It worries me a little bit having them sit Kawhi so much. I I I want to know what's wrong with him. Like, is it all mental? Is he actually injured? Mm. I, I don't know if either of you guys know more about that. But come playoff time, is he going to be able to play seven game series? Is you know throughout essentially you would hope to the Eastern Conference Finals. Like, can he handle that? Is he going to have to sit out a game? Are you basically taking at least two L's every series? Like, I'm I'm just curious about that. I don't think anybody knows outside of Kawhi what's going on with Kawhi for the past <laughs> two three years. It's been one of the weirdest stories in the NBA. Such a strange story, and the, yeah, the fact that he's up in Toronto now—we don't like not going to get any information out of there. Yeah. It just makes it even more weird. Yeah, it's a tough border to cross, you know, little Canada. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we talked about some playoff matchups. How far do you think the Bucks will go uh, this year? What's your prediction uh, for when they exit or not exit the playoffs? It's a tough question. So if you guys, uh, if you listeners ever listen to my podcast, I have a friend that comes on, uh, Derek Stark, who is a is an eternal optimist, and I, I've I've been kind of come to known as a more realistic person. But like, <laughs> it's hard for me not to look at this team and and at least you know not think that we're making the Eastern Conference Finals. I think it's I think that's actually what happens. I think you'll finally see us make that jump, winning a first round playoff matchup for the first time since the 0102 season. And probably making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. If we can get over that hump, I think that's kind of just like once you finally do it, we'll, you'll see how easy it is and we'll move on. And I think it'll be Boston Bucks. And I think Boston goes to the NBA Finals this year just due to how good of a coach Brad Stevens is. And Kyrie Irving's balling out up there. Gordon Hayward looks a little shaky coming off that very scary injury. But, you know, he's still he's still shooting a shot. If I was Gordon Hayward, I would never jump again. So I don't keep that. I would not keep that against him. <laughs> That's so nasty. I'm not trying to pile on, but I kind of look at it. Every time Jabari used to jump, I used to get scared. And now every time I look yeah. at Gordon, I'm like, oh, God, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was pretty much uh, the last three years with Derrick Rose. 
Um, <laughs> That's true, too. I didn't even think about that, man. You guys just had some rough times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Those Simeon point guards. Yeah. So Boston in the finals uh, against the Warriors. Warriors win. Is that what you got? Yeah, probably. I think Boston probably wins two games in that series, but I think I think the Warriors win it. However, I think that this could be the year, though, because I think uh, this is probably the last year you're going to see that Warriors team be what it yeah. is. Clay's going to go look for money, you know, Boogie Cousins, who knows what's going on with him. But, you know, you're going to see that team break up. But I think this is the year that somebody could upset them because everybody thinks that it's uh, a foregone conclusion that the Warriors are winning. So yeah. you could see a team like Boston, Toronto, or even the Bucks upset them in, in in the NBA Finals and kind of put a damper on their last year together. But I'm interested to see. What do you guys think? If I, I, don't, a- I mean, I don't think this is the year. I think you're right. I think next year they'll they'll be broke. They'll break up. I think Kevin's gone. Um, I don't know where, but I think he's gone. And yeah, that's it. But I think this year, foregone conclusion. I, it's a it's a better chance that they'll lose this year, but I still think they'll win. Yeah, I think. Uh, I guess I agree with you. I think if I was a betting man, I put Warriors over Celtics. Uh, obviously, not what I'd root for, but <laughs> that's where, <laughs> where the NBA is right now. I think. So. Well, so, oh, sorry. I, I have a question for you guys because this yeah. is something that's kind of been brought up, you know, throughout the years with this Golden State Warriors team. But the quote-unquote super teams, oh. you know, it, it, do you guys think that this is good for the basketball? Do you think it's not good? I I don't see it as a problem, but I'm curious to see, you know, what you guys think um, about that because it's tough. I mean, it's been Heat and then the Warriors for what eight years now. I have a big three rant because everything doesn't have to be a big three. I mean, so Butler got traded to the 76ers. We talked about that a little bit ago. And the article headline was Butler joins uh, Embiid and Simmons for big three. It doesn't have to be a big three. It can just be a team of individuals with a oh, – it was so frustrating, the big three. But I don't know why in basketball since the heat we have decided to categorize – or always clump a big three and then forget the other two starters for whatever reason. It's really annoying. Um, all right, rant over. Uh, I think I think it's better for a general audience that the these kind of super teams are happening because then you get, uh, and by that I mean not people who have sports podcasts, but people who just kind of <laughs> – Tune in to, to the finals or tune into the playoffs because uh, then you have players that you know. You know the different you know players on the teams. You have uh, rivalries, so to speak, of, of teams that are meeting consistently in the finals. I think that's better for kind of the narrative. Um, but I think for sports fans who like you know uh, us who have a favorite team, if their team isn't one of those teams, I think it's very discouraging. I mean, obviously we're on an upswing here with the Bucks, and that's really encouraging. Um, you know, we still have to figure out who our big three are, uh, so we can lead that in the banners. But um, I think uh, it's discouraging for real fans. So I would I would kind of split it that way. Yeah, I think it's I think it's totally fine for the NBA. I I, I hate it when people whine about it. It's like these are the they're playing within the rules. So what do you what do you what do you want to do about it? You want to change the rules so they can't do that? Fine, whatever. Um, and it, it's totally fine. It brings fans in. It uh, brings people in that, you know, normally don't watch or it gets, you know, especially younger fans who, you know, team might suck. Let's say they live in Chicago and they're young and don't have a team to root for. It brings them in. <laughs> they were um, born after 1998. 
Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. But that's and then to your point, Casey, it's it's, it's hard it's hard to be a fan of a team, uh, you know, because you look at it and you only you, being stuck in the middle is the worst right now. You either have to be, you know, the Warriors or where Milwaukee is is trending towards, or you want to be at the bottom because being in the middle, which the Bulls have sat at for many years, is the worst. Being a number six seed, seven seed, it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't do anything for the organization. So it's hard if you're stuck in that to watch these "quote unquote" super teams or the big threes get together um, and, and just have your team sit in the middle. Okay, yeah, Casey, I like how you started a rant about the big three and then you go, "I don't know if they're a big three yet." Like you just used it. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm fine with. I mean, obviously, we had the super team for. You know, almost six years there, so I can't be mad at it. I can only only remember three players from it too. So, (laughs) (laughs) hey, Steve Kerr, right? That's your number one. That's who you think of from that team. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think that's a good point. I actually like that you broke it out kind of like that way. And to your point, Marlo, I mean, you're talking to a guy who's been a Bucks fan for many years when our slogan was eight seed or bust." You know, (laughs) the years of BJ three and then Monte Ellis. God, that was. Yeah. Looking back at this Bucks team, it's just it's rough. But no, I I think it is good from a high level, you know, casual NBA fan to have those teams like the Warriors, the Showtime Lakers, you know, the Heat, and all that stuff. But I think you're right. Like it's 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 very frustrating for a like a, a real hardcore fan of a, a team like the Utah Jazz or even Oklahoma City and stuff like that. So I think you look at that and you just you, you see these hurdles that you can't seem to overcome. But I think that. Uh, there's so much talent now in the NBA that I think you'll see less and less of that. One interesting thing, though, is that if you Google who's won an NBA championship, everybody yeah. acts like this is something new. Like yeah. five teams have ever won the NBA championship <laughs> as it is anyway. So yeah. I, it's kind of funny when you look back. Yeah, for sure. All right. Um, quick, uh, quick crash before we let you go here. Uh, kind of settle, settle some bets here. What do you think about the, city, the NBA City Edition jerseys in general? Oh. They are so ugly. Like, I was so hoping that that was, like, a joke when I first saw that, like, leaked. But they are so bad. Like, bright orange. Like, I get it. It's supposed to look like the mecha floor. But, like, why? I don't bring back the purple. Everybody has been asking for it. You make the Ray Allen jerseys, but you can't bring them back as a city. I just, I have a rant on this because they're terrible. I don't know who in marketing okayed that or who was like, this looks good. <laughs> I will say that they look better with the shorts on. So like as like a quote-unquote kit, I think it looks okay. Yeah. But the jerseys are just terrible. All right. So you're not buying a jersey either. Gosh, no. I'm not <laughs> spending like $100 on something that's so ugly. You could spill like tomato soup on it and it would look like it's part of the jersey. Yeah. No. Do you know how many times the Bucks are wearing those this season? I I don't know how they decide that because yeah. I I felt like they wore the city jerseys last year a lot mm-hmm. and I don't know I feel like they do it to try and sell them so oh, yeah. Yeah. you'll probably see them in it a lot I still like the black alternate jerseys the best I think those look sick granted we aren't we don't have a great record in them especially against Boston but I do enjoy those what about you guys I, I'm actually curious I feel like I've seen so many people go back and forth on whether they like them or not on Twitter. I don't. I don't like them. I just. It doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't do it for me. I don't know. I, like I said, I get what they're going for, but it's just. It's just too far a, a color scheme from their normal uniforms, and it. 
I don't know. It doesn't tie in the city like the Bulls jersey ties in the city with the flag, which that's a whole other issue that <laughs> Marlon and I have. But uh, like, I, I get it more. I don't know. It's and aesthetically, it's not great. I haven't seen it. I don't remember seeing it with the the shorts. So maybe the full kit does look a little bit more complete. Well, they're better than the Cleveland's. I don't know if you guys saw theirs. I don't think I've seen Cleveland's. Google that, please. Okay. Because <laughs> they are they are worse than ours, if that's possible. Yeah, some some of them are pretty good. I like the uh, Timberwolves one was good, and I think Brooklyn's is good with the Biggie influenced jerseys. But true, actually, speaking of Brooklyn, how about them kind of really showing up this year? They are kind of a dark horse. I feel like to make some noise in the Eastern Conference. It's kind of surprising. I don't know if you guys have noticed that at all. No, I have. <laughs> I think we're both googling the Cavalier City jerseys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. There well, we are. There's Cleveland. Oh God, they're bad. Yeah, they are not good. <laughs> it kind of looks like an old like 1990s cup that you would get at like a food court. You know, with those like waves, bright neon colors. But yeah, those yeah. are ugh. Sure. Kevin Love doesn't even look happy to be wearing them in the picture. If you guys see that one, <laughs> well, it hasn't looked happy in years, though. To be fair, that's true. The one the game, I think it was the 15 minutes after they won the title. Other than that, I don't know if he's ever looked happy. Oh, yeah. Ugh. And then he spends the rest of the time roasting kids on Twitter about his one championship. <laughs> At least he doesn't have a burner account. Yeah. <laughs> That we, that we know of. That we, that we know of. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe he's just better at hiding it. <laughs> do you want to, Andrew, you want to do one more plug of your podcast? Let our, our fans know how to uh, find you out on the internets. Yeah, sure. Sounds good. Uh, out on the old internets. Uh, on Twitter, uh, my handle is at Jakubitz, J-A-K-U-B-I-C-Z. Uh, the podcast is at Bucks underscore radio. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Spotify, pretty much everywhere you want to listen. Uh, and yeah, like I said, weekly episodes. Uh, check us out. Tweet at us. Um, I'm always happy to, to debate and argue with people about how the Bucks are going to win the NBA championship this year. All right. This was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks for coming on to Cubus. And yeah, be sure to check them out on uh, Twitter and download the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again for Jacobs for, for joining our podcast. Uh, I think that's going to do it for me. Do you have anything else to add, Casey, before we take off here? No, uh, I guess the usual thank yous to uh, everyone for listening. Uh, thank you for your support. If you haven't already, like, follow, download, subscribe. Uh, do all those things on uh, however you get this podcast. It, it really helps out a lot. Um Follow us at uh, on the Twitters. I'm at Prof Badger Fan. Marlo is at Marlo Junior. Uh, we say or at least retweet funny things uh, on there. Uh, so I think it's 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 worth a follow, uh, at least to be part of the conversation uh, with us as we enjoy watching sports. We together. We, <laughs> we suffer through it. We. Yeah, yeah. We, we do, it, do together. it together. Whatever it we is, have a common bond. We're doing it together. So, join us on there for that. That was uh, quite the sum. Quite the sum. I'm sure they're all rushing to their Twitter account to follow us. All right. <laughs> well, as always, fellow fans. Uh, until next time, I hope that all your favorite teams win all the sports.